This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hour number two on a gorgeous Sunday afternoon. Thanks for stopping by at 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter, now X at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. So I wanted to find out, we've been talking so much Jets, Jets, J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 Jets. I wonder if I was going over the Giants. And when I do, I go to my window and I hit the JR button. And Jordan Renan answers. He is here on 987 ESPN. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? What's going on there? Yeah, the Jets are the, the hot uh, the hot topic these days. They're the hot team. And yeah, they are. It's going to be are. that way, good or bad, you know? Aaron <laughs> Rodgers right. comes and it's all Aaron all the time. It is. It is. But we still want to find out it's what's going the on Giants with Big Blue. were the better team last year. It's funny the Say, Giants were the better team last year. Now they yeah, like, they like you know, fade into the sunset, which is ironic. It is, but you know how you know you know New York. It could change in the New York minute. <laughs> the New York True, minute. But it Aaron Rodgers. Let's let's be fair. Aaron Rodgers, like good or bad, that's going to be a big thing. He, like you know, either way, if it goes really bad, that's a really big story. If it goes really good, that's a really big story. So, yes, I'm but, sure that's disappearing this time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, listen. Uh, there, there's some folks whose jobs are depending on him not messing up. Because <laughs> if yeah. he does, it's going to be a For lot sure. of changes over there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they invested in Aaron Rodgers, just like the Giants invested in Daniel Jones, $40 mm-hmm. million dollars a year, man. Yeah. They, they think they've got their guy. We'll get to Daniel Jones in a second, but let's face it, Jordan. You, you guys were, even though with uh, Aaron Rodgers here, you were the top story because of the Saquon Barkley situation. But now that he's coming, mm-hmm. everything is just kind of, everything is just kind of, everybody's happy. It's kumbaya. Everything is yeah. good. It, it, it's really, it's really interesting how one player making, well, not that he had a choice really because he didn't have the leverage, but making that sacrifice, Jordan, um, comes in and it just, it makes camp a normal camp now. Yeah, no, really it is. I mean, it kind of just faded into the sunset. Now, it's not completely, doesn't disappear because, same problems they had now. They're going to be stuck in, if he plays well, the same spot next year, right? But in the meantime, we can worry about this season. And it, it's, you know, it's not something that hangs over. Okay, but that, that's why you look at it from his perspective like, man, if you wanted to have leverage, you wanted to make this, okay, you, you, you don't want to pay me? And I, you don't, you want to, I don't want that franchise tag, whatever. I have to give you hell this summer and make it a little uncomfortable. But he wasn't willing to go that route. He doesn't want that perception about him. He, he's a guy who wants to be known as a team-first guy, and good for him in that regard. But the flip side is the Giants got what they wanted. Nice, quiet camp. No drama. All they're worried about is getting ready to play football. Yeah, absolutely. Jordan, update us on what's going on with this offensive line. You've got some injuries there, and you, you've got the – you know, listen, it's early. You, you know you, you – that's the – Tough thing about camp, right? You want to get ready, but you're hoping that you can get out, you know, as least yeah, the only real as injury possible. is a concussion. Yeah. The only real injury is a concussion for Evan Neal right now. Uh, like, you never know with concussions, but, you know, I don't think that's something that anyone's overly concerned about at this point. You know, you never know if it could linger or it turns into a long-term thing. But uh, for now, that is what it is. I mean, I think the bigger question is, can he be a decent player? Mm. Uh, 
haven't been blown away in any way, shape, or form, you know, even early this summer. So I have my reservations hmm. on what he's going to be. I still think it's TBD. Mm-hmm. But uh, the interior of the line is, is, is certainly a concern. And because of that, you kind of need of a Neil to be at least decent. So, and if he's not, then you have that, that could be, you know, the Achilles heel of this team. But the, the weapons are better, so they should be able to do more regardless. I know they play different positions, but what is missing from Evan Neal that wasn't missing from Andrew Thomas once Andrew Thomas got going last season? Uh, Yeah, I I think Andrew Thomas, even if he gets beat on that initial step, has an ability to recover. We haven't really seen that from Evan Neal yet. It kind of seems slow and, you know, like when when he, he could, if he just gets beat off the line or, uh, he starts to get out of position. His body is, hasn't. It, it's not. He he's not able to recoil and and get back and still salvage the play. Or and so you know. And that was really the knock on him coming in is when you see Evan Neal on the ground a lot, right? And uh, I think we'll find out if it turns into a bigger problem as we move along here. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, we'll we'll sit and wait. But. They're hoping that he's able to he, – his get-off looks a little bit better. To me, it's a matter of being able, okay, now can he then sustain the blocks and punch effectively? That's kind of what I've seen there. I'm like, huh? I don't know. Well, hmm. Still early. Still early. We haven't gotten mm-hmm. a real simple size this summer yet because they just put on pads this week. and Everything without pads, coaches always tell you you don't evaluate linemen until they put pads on. Yep, absolutely. A lot of people. <laughs> you don't evaluate until they put yeah. the pads on. Now, yeah, it's a different game. Totally different. Jordan Runon is my guest. Jordan, uh, how does this offense look? I know, once again, it's early. I get it. You'll get a better idea when they face Carolina this week and into the, the scrimmages that they're going to have. But potentially we know what it could be. What what, is it, what are you seeing early from it? It's impressive. I mean, the, the way you could clearly see there's better weapons, right? Paris Campbell looks like a huge part of this offense. He's the slot guy, essentially, uh, right now. Darren Waller is their number, number one receiver, so – you know, Daniel Bellinger slides into a much more appropriate, probably number two tight end role. Uh, you have Isaiah Hodgins, hopefully in year two. He looks like you know he's I'm not sure he's a high end receiver, but he's a he's a he's a guy who should be able to give you something. Gary Slayton is what he is. We we know that at this point. Every year he does the same thing. So uh, it's not great the other wide receivers, but it's certainly an upgrade, and you see it every day. Daniel Jones looks comfortable. He's making quick decisions. You're not seeing a lot of mistakes. I think he's thrown one interception in training camp, maybe two. And that's pretty good. I mean, when you start a new offense, I mean, I remember when Eli in the first year with Ben McAdoo, he was throwing like two interceptions in practice. Last year at the beginning of training camp, Daniel Jones looked like a disaster with, you know, in the new offense. So definitely you could see there's more comfort with what they're doing. Brian Dable, Mike Kafka. Now, Jordan, you've covered Daniel Jones throughout his career. Is he, the, is he a guy who will – embrace the challenge of playing with the new contract or is he a guy where that he's going to be weighed down by the challenge of playing with a new contract? Yeah. I mean, he's got that very Eli demeanor. I don't think he's going to think about it much. He knows there's a lot of pressure, but, and that's, I, you know, Val Powell interviewed him recently on our air and he said, you know, you're going to be criticized. And Daniel Jones kind of chuckled. He's like, Kind of already been criticized a lot, you know, like, because think about it. When he came out, everybody picked on him. They crushed the pick. 
the first couple of years, the fumbles, everybody was all over him. So he has. I mean, I, I do agree with him on that. Like, he's already been under the microscope and getting killed, like, everything he does. Uh, I don't think this actually changes much for him, except that he's much richer and has a lot more expendable income. Yeah, well, <laughs> this is true. This is true. And listen, the quarterback gets too much blame or too much uh, success anyway, right? Always. Always. That's part of the deal. So I think, especially in today's day and age with social media, he's already used to it. So I don't think really that much changes for him. Matter of fact, I think more people are on his side now than ever because I think going into last year, nobody mm. was really on his side. Nobody, you know, like everybody was doubting him. I think now at least he has people that don't doubt him. Whereas beforehand, he was getting crushed for everything he did. If anytime he fumbled, the narrative was, oh, there's Aaron Jones. He fumbled again, even though he that had been improving now for even the year before it was significantly improved. But that narrative existed about him for sure. Let's look at the defense there, uh, Jordan. And obviously, you know, I have a lot of respect for the coordinator. You know, Wake, Wake Martindale does a great job. Uh, give me your thoughts on the secondary. Oh. There's some question marks to this one. we got to see kind of what it shakes out to. Block cornerback is probably my biggest concern. People like you probably think, uh, uh, who's the second safety next to McKinney? Like Jason Pinnock is probably the, the leader in that one. Uh, you look at who, you know, you got a rookie. You got a rookie cornerback uh, opposite of Dory Jackson and uh, Deontay Banks. But to me, it's like slot cornerback. You got Darnay Holmes. I think we kind of know what he is. Cordell mm-hmm. Fly, you were hoping could grow into that role. It hasn't been a great start to the summer for him. Uh, matter of fact, I, I probably think he's probably better off as an outside cornerback. Now they're trying him at slot because that's just, just a need for them. But ideally, I don't think he's a slot cornerback. Cornerback, I'm going to say quarterback. Uh, so, yeah, I got – there's some concerns. But here, you know, stop the run, let wing blitz cover up secondary a little bit you know it's not to the point where a couple of years ago in Baltimore where he had nothing left and then you can't cover it up but uh you know Thibodeau and Ojolari do what they hope that they could do and mm-hmm. stay healthy they'll make that secondary look a lot better yeah well and once again if Dexter Lawrence in the front can do what they do and you mentioned the, the blitzing yeah. you know that's I'm, that's I'm that's counting him as a lock though you know Dexter yeah. Lawrence is the, is the lock Leonard Williams, you know what he is. Good player. Mm-hmm. Not great player, but good player. Like, you know what he could do. So, yeah, if they don't have that, then, yeah, that'll hurt for sure. But that's part of it. It's the front. They're hoping that front can really be the strength of that defense. Uh, first week, how have some of the rookies looked to you? Hyatt has been awesome. Uh, you know, every day of recently, it's long touchdown catch. It's, it's really opening your eyes. Uh, that speed is special. And then you have, uh, let's see, Banks. He's been better recently. First few days, first week or so, they exploited him left and right. But he looked better. And John Michael Smith, you know, getting more and more uh, first-team reps. He's going to be optimistic there. Looks like he's going to be a pretty good player. Um, and the sixth rounder, Trey Hawkins, has really stood out. Mm. So, uh, cornerback, and he's actually getting some first team reps. I think that's encouraging. The fact that you know he's opened eyes to that degree, long, uh, physical type guy. You know, so it looks like he has a chance again, very early. Right. 
Absolutely. We'll have a better idea once they finish their, their first game with Carolina. Going into that game, Jordan, uh, is Dayball going to be like a lot of coaches? Are we going to see many first-teamers? Are we going to see any first-teamers, do you think, during that first game? Yeah. No, I doubt it. They're, they're, they're joint practicing this week. That's where they're going to get all their work. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a big guy of uh, – you know, playing guys last year in the preseason. I don't. Maybe you know what he did work his offensive line. I don't know it's year two, so maybe you know I'm, I'm not. Maybe the second year in the offense, he's a little more comfortable with these guys. But I don't know. After a joint practice, I don't. I don't see them doing. Uh, they're very conservative. Like Leonard Williams took two days in a row off. Oh, these Ojolari two days. Like the load management of the wow. NFL is here, and you better get used to it, Larry. Mm. Here to stay. Wow, <laughs> it's different. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. more two a days, huh, Jordan? No more two a days. No more. No, no more pads. More multiple days. Uh, just take a couple of I days saw, off. It's I okay. Saw a clip. I saw a clip today of the Steelers and uh, the linebacker like burst through the line and like hit the running back. And I'm like, we would never see that at Giants camp. Like, <laughs> those days are done. So that's crazy. That is crazy. Jordan, thanks for a couple of minutes today, my friend. I appreciate you, and uh, we will talk down the line. You got it, Larry. Appreciate you. All right, take care. All right, bye-bye. Jordan Renan, you can also catch him on Breaking Big Blue on the ESPN New York podcast, bringing you updates on what's going on with the New York football giants. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Larry Hardesty until, well, 3 o'clock here on 98.7 ESPN. Chatting with you, 1-800-919-3776. Back to the phones we go. Justin is in Tom's River. Justin, you are next on 98.7. Hey, Larry, thank you for taking my phone call. Uh, I'm not here to talk about the Giants. I'm obviously here to talk about the Jets. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, think a lot of, I think a lot of Jet fans have been hard on Salah. You know, as a Jet fan and a longtime Jet fan, I think Salah's done a pretty good job. You know, his first year, I really think he had to throw it out the window. That team was totally depleted of talent. And one thing I have to give uh, Salah credit for, he's obviously developed his players outside of Zach Wilson. You know, a lot has been made about the penalties, and I agree they have to be cut down. But a lot of those penalties are just simply, in my opinion, inexperienced and just being a little overzealous. They had a very young team last year. And I agree with you in the simple fact that this is a make-or-break year for him. But I do think he has the X's and O's acumen in him. The biggest thing this year is going to be how he manages the personalities in that locker room and how he manages the expectations. And, I mean, the simple fact for a Jet fan is, in my opinion, he has totally erased that the same old Jets and like that whole the, the Jets are just a, a laughing stock. He's totally changed that culture, in my opinion, and has made it a destination. Him and Joe Douglas. Justin, I hear what you're saying. Thanks for the phone call. Look, I'm not here to say that Robert Sala has not done a decent job. He's done a good job. He's done a decent job. Yes, the defense is improving. Every year the defense has improved. And that's mark of a very good coach. Now, the question is, remember, how does this team do this year when the bright lights are on them? How does every year, just like players have to improve, your head coach has to improve. Your head coach has to get improvement from his staff. Everybody's got to be better. Uh, I just think sometimes for me, just for me as an outsider, I just think the adjustments come a little late. I I just think adjustments should come a little quicker for me. Uh, There's little things. And see, Justin, here's the thing for me. 
He handles the big things. The big things are not the issue here. For me, it's the little things. It's how does he get this team to understand that their attention to detail makes a difference. And once again, I don't expect them to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. They're not. But there are things that seem to constantly happen. And you're right about the overzealousness. But And I'm sure he, the coordinators, and the position coaches are telling guys all the time, don't make this mistake. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do, I'm sure they're telling them. I'm sure they watch video. I'm sure they see their mistakes. I'm sure they see correctable mistakes. I'm sure they do. Okay? And maybe we have to go back to say maybe the players just aren't as savvy or as smart as they think they are. But the bottom line here is he's the head coach. He's not just the defensive coordinator. He's the head coach of the team. And there are a lot of guys, there are a lot of coaches in this league who have been outstanding coordinators and not great, not great head coaches. And so that's where we have to see, if you're a Jet fan, that's where you want to see him take that next step. That's where it has to be. It's got to be the control of the team. Now, we can argue and say, well, he is, he's really the defensive coordinator this year because Aaron Rodgers is running the offense with Nathaniel Hackett. But he still has to be in there where he's got to say, you know what? No, let's run the ball here. Or no, let's do this. Or no, let's do that. You can override. So that's where you want to see, is he going to take that next step? That's where you want to see if the, the team is more buttoned up, if the team is a little more crisper, if the team doesn't make the killer mistakes. They're all going to make mistakes. But it's the third down penalties. It's the unsportsmanlike. It's... You have to, things that you know, the fundamental things that you know, you can't continue to do those things over and over and over again and expect a different result. You can't have too many men on the field, okay? You can't have the late hits. You can't give up 16 on third and 14. You can't add to the penalties. These are the things we're talking about. All right, so that's what I'm looking for from him. The little things, the things that have plagued them over his past two years, those are the things that have to be taken care of. Because if this team, this if this team doesn't make the postseason, he's going to get the blame. There's going to be a fall guy, and it's going to be him. Now I'm hoping it's not true, but once again, look at the situation. Okay. He lost the last six games of the season. And yes, the offense takes some of the hit. But the defense didn't get off the field in a lot of those situations either. So you lose the last six. You were a playoff team at 7-4, and four, despite the offense. See, that's the thing. You can't say, well, you know, the offense was terrible. They were 7-4 and four with a bad offense. The offense was bad all year. Bad all year. It was inconsistent. Your quarterback play was inconsistent all season. Yes, Zach Wilson had some decent games, and you you won in spite of that. Yeah, because you had a running game. We talk about the offensive line, but the offensive line did a decent job with the run game. And once the run game was, you know, once the run game was taken away, you know, now you were one dimensional. It made it tough on the quarterback play. No question, made it tough. But your defense played well then, 
And yeah, I get it. Defense is on the field a lot. It's just different. It adds to the pressure. I get it. But there were still some plays that if they make, okay, you know, they win a couple more games. And they're in the postseason. And we're not having this conversation about Robert Sala this year because he'd be coming off a postseason and you still get Aaron Rodgers. Right? So that's the thing. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with this team. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN, Sunday edition, 1-800-919-3776. So, yeah, it's funny. Dalvin Cook is still out there, right? <laughs> and he, he uh, uh, am I to believe when I hear the Patriots almost certainly not signing him? Didn't he get the memo? They're not spending a lot of money on running backs these days. I don't know what he's asking for, but he and his agent are going to have to make adjustments. Did they not see the memo from Saquon Barkley? I mean, and listen, he was a major, Dalvin Cook was a major factor in Minnesota last year. Giant fans know. If you're watching uh, the quarterbacks on Netflix, he's in every game. There's, there's a Dalvin Cook highlight from Kirk Cousins. Every game. So, he's just not for that price. It's the bottom line. Not for that price. It's interesting. Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha, you're next on 98.7. Hey, what's going on, big bro? How you doing, man? Everything is good, man. What's happening? Yeah, I just jumped on late. You know, the queen got me out here riding around shopping and stuff. You know, that goes on Sunday. Oh, my God. So many stores, so little time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm listening to... <laughs> yeah, it's rough, man. You know, I'm listening to... Uh, I, I heard I jumped on late, man, so I hear you talking about the Salah thing and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, I just say this much with Salah. I mean, you know, the Jets could go 11-6, and six and you could still not have a full end on whether Salah is, is a right coach. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is running the offense. He's pretty much running the whole team. So, you know, like you said, the defense not only has to play good this year, they have to play better than they did last year. And, you know, because that's his only calling card. I mean, he's not in full control of the team. And, um, you know, like you said, with the adjustments and stuff, in-game adjustments and all, there's far too many times where you look at Rob Sala and the game is getting into, those, you know, that crazy part of the game. And, you know, he's arguing with the refs. You know, sometimes he looks like a passion on the sidelines. I mean, you know, like you said, this is a big year for him. You know, with Dalvin Cook, you know, listen, not only is his asking price too high, He's not fully recovered from his shoulder injury. I never mm. thought that that was a feasible option anyway. First of all, you know, this is the stuff that irritates me as a Jets fan. It's like we're so thirsty. He's at practice. The fans are like, Dalvin Cook signed. Listen, this dude is playing, y'all. He's using the Jets to boost up the price as high as he can get from the Dolphins. Patriots, too. He was never going there. He wants mm. to play in Miami. Miami is being frugal. They're like, look, you know what? You go shop yourself. Do what you need to do, find the best um, deal, and then, you know, get back to us, and we'll tell you how we're going to pay a little bit less than that. that. That's the name of the game, like you said, with these running backs. And, uh, you know, I, me personally, 
I, you know, I, I don't think they have enough running back on the team. I'm sorry, Michael Carter Jr., I have to move on from him. Uh, Bam Knight is a good third back. Uh, the young kid that they got now, he can run off tackle wide. I don't see him doing anything more than that, being a gadget guy. So they're going to have to get somebody else. I mean, I, I don't know if they want to do the Kareem Hunt or um, there's got to be somebody else. I would pay, pay close attention to like what's going on with Mixon. I think that he could be involved in the trade. Mm. If, if you want to do something like that. Yep. But, yep. you know, look, when I watch the game, you're not going to get much out of a preseason game. No. Uh, you know, I, I tell you this much what I do know. Uh, Aaron Rodgers better stay healthy all year. You know, you can tell me about how Zach Wilson threw that bomb down the sidelines. But it's still the same guy. Feast of famine. If that play is not there, you tell, look at the underneath routes. Look at that crosser route on the third down. The guy was wide open. He ailmailed it. You know, he doesn't have... He plays small in the pocket. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? And, and yeah. I know him and Aaron Rodgers are technically the same height, but he plays small. If they're dependent on him to be the backup quarterback, I mean, God bless y'all. You know, um, special teams look good. You know, I just – it irritates me with the Jets where they don't, you know, they don't do things in a progressive manner. You know, and I love Aaron Rodgers. I, I love everything about him. Everything he's done has been well. You know, the Jets go out here, and I think they're going to do, like I said, probably be like 11-6, and six, probably win one playoff game. I don't see them going to the AFC Championship. I don't see them going to the Super Bowl, not in the first year. And you hope Aaron Rodgers comes back in the second year. But I'm telling you something, and I've told you this a thousand times, You know, and I watch a lot of college football. You saw that kid, DRT, for the backup, the third backup for the Cleveland Browns. And you see – at some point, you've got to get with where things are going football-wise. If the Jets have a first-round pick next year, and a guy like Michael Penix Jr. is available at like 18, 20, between, listen, you have, I, 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 I know what happened in Green Bay, um, that Darren Rodgers wore them to draft receivers. Listen, we're glad you're here. I cannot build my team around what you want to do for the next two years, and then you bounce. Because the Jets are going to be back in that same situation all over again. No quarterback. If this guy, if he doesn't bear us a Super Bowl appearance, because once you get to the game, everybody can win. I can't fault y'all. I can't get mad or nothing like that. But if he doesn't bear you a Super Bowl appearance in two years, and you come away with triple question marks at that position again, where are we going? Because like I said, I'm not going to be sold or proven on Rob Salah as the head coach when Aaron Rodgers runs the offense and Dan near runs the team. It's still going to be questions to me. I hear you, Buddha. Happy shopping. Thanks for the phone call. Uh, here's the bottom line. Next season, either next season or the season afterwards, the Jets are going to have to draft a quarterback. You have to. You have no guarantees that Zach Wilson is going to, be, is going to do anything to move to be a franchise quarterback. You have no, you have nothing to show unless he, unless he just blossoms off the side of the page. And how are you going to know? The only way you'll know is if something goes horribly wrong with Aaron Rodgers. You have to draft a quarterback. You don't have a choice. You're not giving him a fifth-year option based now, are you? I mean, you can't. There's no way you're giving him a fifth-year option. No way. Based on what he's done so far, how could you? So, no, they have to draft a quarterback either next year or the year after. They have to. Have to. 
because you have to plan for the future. You want to overlap. Just like you want Zach Wilson to learn from Aaron Rodgers. Well, whoever this young quarterback is that you draft, you want him to learn from Aaron Rodgers too. I mean, I, I, I can't sit back here and say, okay, I definitely, no, there's no way I'm drafting the quarterback. You crazy? I absolutely am drafting a quarterback if I can in that spot. Absolutely. Ira's in Staten Island. What's up, Ira? A good call by Buddha. You know, the um, the running back situation, I get it. And listen, I'm not overpaying for Dalvin Cook. To me, I think it's probably more of a, a two, he wants a two-year commitment, which I don't think anybody's going to give him. Mm-hmm. But at, at the end of the day, and Larry, you and I, we talk this to death. We know about Zach Wilson. Has he made some improvements? Yeah, I've watched him all summer. But that doesn't mean it's in a live game. And I don't think he's the, the quarterback of the future. And, you know, we'll see. I, to be honest with you, and as much as Boyle isn't – I'm not comfortable with him as a backup, he's more consistent in practice than Zach Wilson is. Mm-hmm. But, but getting to something, the most important thing, we're entering now, what, about approximately four weeks from the opener, more or less? Mm-hmm. And the offensive line, if I had to take a guess at it, if Brown doesn't come back soon – you're going to have Turner and you have Mitchell as your two tackles. Now, I think Mitchell's, uh, he's an okay right tackle. I think Turner could hold the fort. But I have concerns about that offensive line, and that's it. Otherwise, the, t- the team is ready to win now. I'm not saying Super Bowl. This team is ready to go on a run. But the offensive line has to show me they could get the job done every week, and I'm not convinced. And that's scary, Ira. <laughs> because how many years have we been talking about this offensive line? But that, that's the that's the problem I have, and I know people are saying, "Well, Rogers, he'll you know, but he'll get rid of the ball quicker." But that didn't work in Green Bay last year. I think the Jets sacked him six or seven times last year. Okay, so listen, Rogers is amazing. It's amazing to watch him practice. You know, when I get a chance to get out there. But at the end of the day, I'm walking away from camp, and I don't know about my offensive line. Yeah. And Ira, you know, I, Willie Clones go join us at the top of the hour when he talked when he joined us a couple of weeks ago, and I mentioned to him about the fact that you got a veteran quarterback who will get rid of the ball quicker. And he reminded me, Aaron Rodgers doesn't always get rid of the ball quicker. He's the guy that likes to stand in there a little bit, move, stand in there, maybe move around, hold on to football, and make sure that the guys, if he has faith in them, make their receiver have a chance to to get that win and put them in the position to make a big play. So, you know, you might be in the spot where he's not going to get rid of the ball quicker. So that, that's the other thing you have to be careful of here. It's crazy. You're still concerned about this offensive line. All right. And and has Becton eased your thoughts? I mean, he you know, he looked okay. He looked okay in the preseason game. He looked okay. But are you confident? I mean, is he a starter for you? I don't think so. We'll continue the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Also hit us up on X at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Willie Colon will join us at the top of the hour. Right now, before we get to the calls, I want to hear from Greg Buttle. And we were talking about the Jets' offensive line. 
and the concerns that you still have for it. And and you're always going to have concerns. Listen, you, the, the the trench lines, you always got concerned because those those players are invaluable. And the backups are invaluable. And if they aren't good, it it it's, it it hurts. It really hurts. Now, once again, this is Greg Bell on the Jets Fifth Quarter Show that he does a great job with, along with our Dan Grassa. And this was his thoughts on uh, Makai Becton after watching him in the game against Cleveland. You have a knee injury, and what happens? You rehab it, and you can remember how it was done to you, and you can remember the pain that you had, and you remember all of these things. How do you overcome that? You go out on the field, and now you're going to play. And there are times where you just think of every time you step on your leg, and your knee bends a little, you're thinking it's hurting you. And what it does is it's like breaking up some scar tissue, maybe, so it's not really hurting you, or I should say it's hurting you, it's not injuring you. And so you've got to get past that one part, and I'll tell you, when I came back from my knee injury, I was in preseason, and the first thing out there is I were playing the Raiders, and this one guy tries to cut me, and he just nips my knee, and of course I collapse right away. Just I'm thinking I wrecked my knee again, so I limp off the field. I get over there, and the orthopedic surgeon says, "What's the matter?" I go, "I, I think I wrecked my knee again." Really? All right, so sit down. So he checks my knee. He says, There's nothing wrong with your knee. There isn't? He says, no, it's in your head. (laughs) I go, it's in my head. I didn't get hit in the head. He goes, no, no, no. You think it does because you feel it and you feel that more than anything. Just block it out and go play football and forget about your knee. And that's what I did. And hopefully, Makai Beckton can do that. But it's, it's, it's a great point by Greg. And so many athletes, when you talk to doctors and trainers about the injuries of an athlete when they come back, that is the thing they always say. Do they have the confidence that it doesn't hurt? Is, do they have the confidence in whatever the procedure was and the rehab and all the work that they put into it? Okay. To make it sure, to make sure you understand that, no, it doesn't hurt in where the injury was. It hurts in your head. And especially a guy who hasn't played for two years. Can you imagine that apprehension? That's why, um, you know, you can't depend on him. And he's got to have a lot of work before he is confident enough that it's, it's, it's back. He can do, he can maneuver, he can do what it takes to, uh, you know, to, to be able to play well. Yankees with a home run. Labor Torres goes deep. Yankees shooting for three of four against Houston. No score Mets in Baltimore in Baltimore. Jose's in Brooklyn. He's next on 98.7. What's up, Jose? Hey, good afternoon, Larry. And shout out to the company. I was definitely, you know, uh, and uh, I guess the, uh, I'll take the three or four from Houston because, you know, we never beat that team. <laughs> it's, it's Houston. You'll take the three or four from Houston. It's Houston. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, ne- we, we never beat that team. So, you know what? To, to, to take that, I'll take it. So, uh, and, 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 and by the way, Larry, I saw a bunt over the weekend. Could you believe that? I'm shocked. <laughs> Times so, are you hard. Know, just, 
You know, you know, I, I, I you know, I, 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 I always thought, you know, when people try to tell me, you know, Dusty Baker is a slave to analytics, and, I, and then when I saw him throw that bun, I was just like, oh, okay, I guess, you know, everybody in the crowd had a good time with that one. Oh yeah. So here's the thing. Here's the thing with, um, you know, the Jets. What's my concerns? Uh, my concerns is that offensive line because I'm not really concerned about the defense. I think that when you have a functional quarterback that can be able to extend certain drives, you know, it's going to rust up the defense and, you know, possibly get a little bit more turnovers. We have to realize that that turnover drought happened when the bad quarterback ensued, mm-hmm. play ensued. And we were kind of pretty much for almost our, our our turnovers were essentially trying to hope that the defense forced a three and out. And I, I'll always remember that, you know, Jacksonville game where they got the turnover off from the top of the drive and Zach Wilson was so ineffective that they got a field goal. And that's my concern with, you know, and that's also a concern, you know, Aaron Rodgers staying upright because, you know, that Buddha's right and everyone else is right. If, if Zach Wilson um, somehow gets elevated to a starting quarterback because Rodgers is injured, it's going to be a huge problem because I don't see the improvement that everybody else is talking about. I just saw one big pass and that was it. But hey, it is what it is. We'll see how this season turns out and we got the rest of the year to talk about it, right, Larry? That's right, Jose. Thanks for checking You're in, right? my friend. Good talking to you. And yeah, look, In the perfect world, Jeff fans, you hope to not know how good Zach Wilson is <laughs> or how bad he is. In the perfect world, you want Aaron Rodgers to play every single game because that gives you the best chance to win, right? You want him to play every single game. So you really don't care about Zach Wilson. Now, you're curious about him. And, you know, in the preseason, you want to see what he can do. And yeah, he had a really good pass. He did. But, I mean, he had a... Here's a situation where he, he missed guys over the middle. He had on third down on the first drive, he slipped when he, he should have made the first move. To, it was wide open. Get the first down. Okay, we can always go back and run the play again. Move the chains. Chains. Your job is to keep the offense on the field and move the ball down the field. And on the short play like that, as wide open as it was, there was a huge, there was nobody there. And that's the one thing you have. You have mobility. Use it. So he was good. Listen, it was good. Now, am I ready to say, oh, ho, ho, ho. yeah, no. And maybe we'll see more and more. Maybe he'll get more playing time in the next preseason game and we'll see what happens there. And then we'll just move on and continue to move on and see what happens. But uh, after the first game, I'm, yeah, it's okay. It's all right. Mitch is in East Windsor. Mitch, you're next on 98.7. What's happening, Larry? What's uh, up, Mitch? Good, good show. Glad you're uh, going to be on Sunday. And I'll only hear you. But anyway, um, the Jets, in my opinion, they should sign Cook. I don't, I don't know if Josh Jacobs, is he, is he free? Or I don't know if he signed with the Raiders. But sign, you're not going to sign long term. So have uh, a couple of good running backs. You don't want any cows. You don't want the Pintos. I mean, do you always expect the running back to play uh, pro bono? Is that, is that what they really want? Well, pro, close and, to um, it. <laughs> close to it, Mitch. Right? <laughs> they're not trying to. They're not trying to break the bank on running backs. That's for sure. Jeez. And then with the Pac-12, 
Yeah. I mean, this is like a, a supermarket's going out of business. Yeah. Everybody needs food. Everybody needs gas. You know, same thing with gas stations. Uh, well, I'm glad they're going out of business. You just have to see one. Maybe I can finally see, uh, especially USC, I can see them actually on a TV network, you know, because the Pac-12 couldn't get on on the East Coast here. It's so corrupt. Anyway, thanks for taking my call. All right, Mitch, thanks for the phone call. It is, it's really crazy, very quietly in some cases and not so quietly in others, how colleges, especially football, the realignment is going on here. All right, it's 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 nuts. It's nuts. All right, so, you know, uh Oregon and Washington both announced last week they will leave the Pac-12 for the Big 10 in July 2024. And then Arizona, Arizona State and Utah say they will join the Big 12. Now, remember, USC and UCLA announced that they were leaving earlier. So it's, what does that mean for that conference that was a, you know, considered Pac-12, considered kind of a power conference? All right, so how, does that affect playoff availability? That's crazy. There's a lot of the college football, a lot of changes going on with the different, you know, conferences and how it hurts. And then, of course, you know, just wait. There'll be more uh, added postseason berths <laughs> for college football. Remember, it was just a couple. Ah, be, we will have, okay, I'm going to tell you this right now. We will have close to what we've got in the pros. We will have a 10 game tournament. <laughs> A 10-game, 10-team tournament soon. I'm telling you. Because it's about the money. And there will be some sponsor who will pay. I'm telling you. Some sponsors are going to pay to see it. We'll keep stretching it out. Well, we just want two games. Well, we just want four games. Ah, 60. Ah, ah, 10. Ah, 12. (laughs) The whole month. The month that, that used to be off. For college football between then and the bowl games? Uh-uh. Nope. We're going we're gonna to fill those up. We're going to make them playoff games. We definitely are. We're going to make them playoff games. There's no question. That's what we're going to do. And just keep it, keep it rolling. Because somebody will pay to show on somebody's network or streaming service a multi-layered college football playoff situation that's going to rival the, the the NBA or the NHL where you just have one single game elimination. It just keep rolling. Just keep rolling over, over, over the month of December leading into January so college football can remain relevant, right, until you get to the bowl games at the end of the month. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> Unbelievable. When we return for our number three of the Larry Hardesty Show, we'll be joined by Willie Colon, SNY analyst. We'll get his thoughts next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.